Hello, hello. It is officially slightly after midnight and officially we have to move the Married at First Sight content from Friday night to Monday night because this is not sustainable for me personally. And then I'm just making you stay up to do this. (laughs) I feel like in our personal lives, that timing works a bit better because we tend to be really busy, essentially Thursday on. So I think Monday would be a little bit better for us. Thursday and Friday are my busiest days at work. Is it going to be an eight hour day? Is it going to be a 12 hour day? Who knows? Just to have some type of consistency, we can definitely get everything done over the weekend and then actually put it out Monday afternoon, evening, after work. Now, I like this episode of Married at First Sight for the sole reason that certain things that we echo every single season is continuing this season. I didn't mind this episode. I was really happy that we actually got to see the couples at the honeymoon location. So now we know next episode will be all honeymoon, all day, all the time, which is now we're getting to the content. I think most of us are always excited to get to. Like It's funny that it's Married at First Sight, but again, we mentioned this even in the last season. It's interesting how a lot of us want to just skip through that because it's kind of like, The mandatory, yeah, 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 go up there, I do, say some vows, talk to parents. Okay, but honeymoon, I want to see this relationship develop or not develop. Anyone can be anything for the first two days. The cracks begin on the honeymoon. They might not fully break, but the cracks begin. And then you really can't fake it like a month in when you're in that apartment together. This episode already gave me, and I'm sure you, a lot of insight Or at least maybe, at least for me, is turning the needle whether these are going to work or not. Can I change all of my predictions? (laughs) Oh, minor shit. This reminds me of... Wait. Okay, remember last year we did the NCAA tournament? Yes. Again, everyone's picks are shit. But I'm having deja vu of those picks for my picks of this season. (laughs) I wish there was like a maths bracket we could make, but there's like obviously not enough going on and no one's switching teams here. <laughs> right. There's only so many permutations. With yeah. There's five like couples. Yeah. That would actually be really interesting. Maybe you vote on the stage in which the relationship would end. Like if anyone, oh, well, no, that there's, would be good. no, there's too many spoilers because I think there was enough hints that Michael just wasn't going to get through the wedding, so that would have been an easy pick. But does he is he back in the bracket at one point? But I'm thinking, how could you even put that in the bracket? Like, how could that be a point system for that? <laughs> okay, maybe we can't do a bracket, even though I am very much so looking forward to March Madness. So even hearing that made me happy. But maybe we could do a bingo card. Because there's just certain things that happen every season. Do you want my travel rant now or in the appropriate part in the episode? I think in the appropriate part makes more sense. Can I soft launch it? Yes. Ladies, gentlemen, everyone of the world, do not marry someone you have not traveled with because that'll tell you everything you need to know. I will pause on that for now. Can we start with my favorite couple? I'm guessing this is... Becca and Austin? Oh, close. Lauren and Orion are like my true favorite, but Becca and Austin are right there. They're pretty close, but Orion and Lauren are my number ones. 
Orion and Lauren were my picks to save us. Like if someone's going to make oh. it, they need to make it. The and previews are ruining it every week. We mention this all the time. Like you can't, they're getting to me. Like we tell people don't buy into this. Like this is not legit. And I'm already feeling that way that I think they're going to have a lot of differences of opinion and the way their lives moves that I, I'm starting to think they're not going to work. I yeah, I don't have that much hope anymore. Our friend Maya on Instagram messaged us and let us know that she got spoiled. Fuck. I know. I haven't looked. I haven't been spoiled, but she just said she's disappointed, and I'm very worried that it involves this couple. We talked about this, and I don't know if you looked into it, but I am not going to look into this. No, I don't, because it will ruin the fun for me. No, I can't look. So anything you hear from us, we don't have any knowledge of how these relationships will turn out. Will they work or not work? Do you think they are hiding footage of Lauren and Orion on decision day? Because so far we had, that's the only couple we haven't seen on decision day. So are they hiding it or do they really not make it? If they don't make it, (laughs) we'll have no hope. I think prior seasons don't give us, they don't give me much confidence because it's possible they just don't make it. For now, I'm keeping my hope though. We're, We're still happy having a good time, learning about each other, combining cultures, all good things. They finish at the wedding. They're driving in the car. They're getting to know each other. I always like the really random, fun questions people ask when they're first meeting their partner. She asks like, okay, what do I need to know? And the first thing that he said was that he can be lax with his hair around the sink when he's shaving. I feel you, Orion, because (laughs) I tend to keep a beard although small when i do trim it up it's wild how much hair really does end up all over the place now i really try hard to clean up after but i know there's there's some stray hairs laying around there indeed is (laughs) i don't think any couple and realistically well for the most part all these couples have dated besides one a decent Mm -hmm. amount of time So I think they would know their quirks from their prior relationships. But I also get the feeling that why would you, one, why would you give, I mean, you probably should. Why would you give all the deeds, right? Why would you give all your little quirks and what grinds your gears? But then, I mean, you have to be honest. But then another thought is, what if you truly don't know all your quirks? I think that's the case for most people. There's just things that are going to drive other people crazy that are not even on your radar. We see the classic undoing of the dress. Ryan was determined and was not going to give up. Lauren then undid his bun, which I thought was very sweet. And they both agree that they don't want sex to kind of cloud anything that they're kind of trying to build. And they also hint on this again later on in the episode. Ryan brings up that he's thinking about getting something for his hair. And Lauren coming in clutch already has two bonnets packed. So she lent one to him, and that is true love. I really didn't know much, if anything, about bonnets before I watched this episode, and I feel so ashamed to even admit that (laughs) as a gentleman with curly hair, very curly hair. After listening to her breakdown, I kind of think I need a bonnet. So I didn't get to live tweet with everyone this week. I had to work late, and... Leon watched it himself, and then I came home, I kind of got settled, and he was like, I think I need a bonnet. 
I was like, that's so random because I haven't watched the episode yet. I had no idea what he's been into during the day. But it would help the frizzy. This is going to lead to me a deep pathway of looking for the perfect bonnet that fits my personality. Yeah, because you aren't just going to get a plain one. She helps him put it on. They're so cute. And then he gave her a head kiss. And then they lay in bed. Every time we get this first moment, take away the cameras, this is a moment where they truly are alone. Yeah. Right? There's no exterior room or other folks can see them. They are in their private space. It's always interesting to see how some folks can get comfortable with a person quickly and others are more more conservative. They kind of talk about what are, you know, what the other person might be okay with, how are they feeling? For example, Lauren and Orion, they mentioned later on that yeah, we talked about sex, it's on the table, but see how that's very mature mm-hmm. and sort of making sure each other is in sync with how they're thinking. My question to you is where would you be, like, for example, this forehead kiss, where would you be as far as affection or physical intimacy after knowing this person for maybe six-ish hours? That man can kiss my forehead when he's done making his bed on the couch because he is not coming in that bed with me. <laughs> so you're not even comfortable sleeping in the bed together. No. I, but, but see, I, you, have to, you have to imagine. You have to put yourself in their mindset, though. You... you volunteered to go on this experiment you are ready to you are single been single have not had luck you are ready to get married you want to find that person and they said hey i found you this person so you're still going to be like stranger danger (laughs) i'm only like a one half step above leaving that man at the altar like that girl right i think i think i would just be so intimidated i would have to have a conversation with the person of what is our pace going to be or how comfortable are you now? And I would probably be a, we can sleep in the bed together, but I legit don't know you. Oh, you're a cuddler though. You would be all about the cuddling. That's what you have to talk about. Are you comfortable cuddling (laughs) tonight? Do you talk about that or do you just, or is it two people waiting for someone to make a move? I guess you do have to talk about it, right? You know, I want to say a, a, a friendly cuddle is, is just, oh, you cuddles know, are friendly now. Just, just a friendly cuddle. <laughs> you and the homies, just a friendly cuddle. No. <laughs> I guess as long as, right, we, we, we set that boundary, right? Like, hey, yeah, I'm cool with the cuddle. We're not, we're not doing it. Don't cross this line. You're right. I can make a pillow border. So he could sleep in the bed. There you go. We have seen pillow borders in the past. I d- Dang, I'm really trying to pull a mirror over here. <laughs> Stay on your side. In the morning, Lauren admits she doesn't know how to make coffee, but that's fine because Orion has an espresso. A topic that most couples talked about, and I'm wondering if it was producer driven, which always kind of takes a little bit of, of the fun out of it, but I did like the question. Everyone asked each other what their morning routines are like, and there were a lot of varying answers. We have brought out the worst in each other as far as morning routines. We are staying in that bed until the last second. (laughs) We are rushing to get to meetings or to work. (laughs) It's interesting. Before Ellie and I were essentially permanently work from home, Mm -hmm. I remember I think we were getting up at like 630, if not like 615. We were essentially like racing to get out of the house first, basically, because neither one of us handles traffic well and so like we would just rather get there quick and early and not deal with it 
But now that we're work from home, man, if we're clocking in, I mean, we're I'm speed making this espressos. <laughs> or sometimes we don't even get it to have coffee until like noon just because like we have so many meetings that we're just like, it can't be done. I just couldn't wake up 15 minutes earlier. <laughs> it'll be it'll be meeting sometimes from nine to 12. And I'll tell Ellie, I'm like, yo, I can't make the coffees until like noon are you gonna be okay and then we'll be like i'll make my own or something yeah last week we decided we're gonna start inching back to earlier mornings and it worked pretty well last week it did i think some of the people have similar schedules and i'll tell you why later but we got glimpses of people working and i thought that was fascinating also leon's going to denver soon and i said keep your eyes open there's a few people in tech do you need their headshots i'll send them to you if i see someone please DM us. How would you in a conference work in randomly asking someone if they're married and how could I confirm if this person was or wasn't married without sounding like a creep? Oh, easy one. You just are like, Oh, I love that program or something. Whatever you do in it. I don't know what you guys talk about. Sure. (laughs) I love that computer. And then you go on and on and you're like, yeah, my wife, so-and-so and so. And then you got to be like, oh, are you married? We just went to Italy or whatever. And it was great. You guys should go to Italy too. I guess the tell all is if they're wearing the rings, but then you mentioned, they well, have to. they have to wear them. So I don't know, but I need you to have your eyes peeled. Before Lauren and Orion go to meet with the families, they do have their own little talk during breakfast. Lauren talks about how she has a hard time opening up and talking about feelings sometimes. And Orion essentially says that it's good to know and that it's nice to know when it's best to revisit an issue later. They shake on it and say it's their first marriage deal or their second after their marriage itself. They kind of are preparing each other for their families. And Orion said, be ready for out-of-pocket questions. Lauren says that's fine, and they both kind of agree that their families are going to go all in. So be ready however you will. Starting off with Lauren meeting with Orion's sister and his mother. The first question from the sister is, what are your intentions with my brother? Lauren says, now that I have to face the person I've committed myself to, I feel like I have a lot to offer someone. Right now, I want to be as loving as a partner as he deserves and as loving as a partner that I would want. She says she really wants to mesh their cultures together as much as possible. And she wants us to feel like this is our relationship, our home, like Orion belongs. Orion's sister also asks about the age difference, which I didn't think was too much. But I do know that Lauren is older, which I know sometimes people don't really like that. I believe it's three years. I think so. But I think it's something where Orion's 29-ish and then Lauren's like 31, 32. I don't think that's bad. In the grand scheme of things, three years is, I think, is totally fine. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe it's only a big deal because they're kind of crossing the, you know, the number threshold of 20s and 30s. Yeah, that's true. Lauren says that in meeting him, her concerns have diminished. Orion's sister did give her a good heads up, which... I don't know how I feel about yet. She says, just as a rule of thumb, I would give him about 10 minutes after work. He doesn't like hugs. It's not personal. I get the whole decompression thing, but I don't, I mean, I'm also a very like, just let me sit here for a minute. I don't know if I would deny a hug. And I'm just wondering, is this coming from a sister point of view or does he also do that with partners? That is an interesting question. I 
that's hard to judge, but I could understand folks do want to have that mental space of switching from work mode to like happy life mode. And Lauren does thank her for that heads up because she is an overthinker. Now, Orion meets with Lauren's brother, sister-in-law, and tell me, am I right? I noted it as a friend. I don't have it down. Okay, we're going to say friend for now, but no offense if that is like a family member. There's just so many like side characters at the beginning. Lauren's brother asked, do you think you could be a good person for her? Orion says, I think I have the capability to be a good husband. The way I grew up, I had a father who left when I was very young. This shifted something in me. I wanted to protect my family in any way I could. I put myself in the line of fire to make sure they're all right. That's something I would have no issue doing for Lauren. Did that answer the question? I have an interesting feeling about Orion because of the way, and you mentioned it in the previous season where, excuse me, the previous episode where he's kind of, there's little tidbits where it feels like he's shifting answers or they're not, they're not very solid. For, for example, you talk about being raised in a matriarchy and powerful women and a, a woman leader, but the way he responds to this, it's almost like he feels like he needed to be the man of the family to take care of them, which would kind of you know, mentally points more to like a, a patriarchy. That's true. And I do feel like he's shifting his answers based on the audience because he said, you know, he loves strong women. That's what the culture is about. And then when talking with Lauren's dad, he's saying, well, I'm not going to be bossed around. And we know he's never dated within his culture. So I'm like, eh, and then we're kind of going back again when talking to Lauren's family. So I don't know what to make of it yet. Again, I always hope it's like bad editing. We have to go with what we see. It only made it worse when we saw the preview and it seems like that is going to come up. I don't want to say it's going to be an issue, but it is going to be something that comes up and is questioned about what has Orion been doing since he's been living here. I'm very curious. Lauren's friend then asked, how do you feel being married to a strong, independent black woman? Orion said, honestly, I'm feeling empowered just being her husband. I grew up in a household ran by women. So women as a whole, I hold in high regard. Being the minority, I would say, is held even higher. Then he is asked if he's financially stable. And he says, I have a consistent check coming in. I always have a job to walk. I'm very focused on my career. But what does that mean? I still don't know what that job is. Because he's in school, he doesn't have his license in that state for either the real estate or the electrical work. I am curious if, yeah, now I'm wondering if Orion does something like, he, yes, he's working on these alternative ways of income, for example, real estate and you know, electrical and, and whatnot. I wonder if he already has properties because he said he has a consistent uh, check. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that would be consistent. I mean, if you have renters, you're always getting that money. Yeah, I don't know. I just wish we knew anything of that. I think the better question should have been, are you stable in your career? Oh, that would be a good question. Versus saying financially stable. Okay. And that kind of comes up with Becca and Austin later as well. Speaking of them, Becca and Austin walk into their hotel room for the night and she's holding a full blown plant. Did she steal this from the reception? I would not blame her. 
I may or may not have stolen spoons from Disney. <laughs> from Star Wars Specifically area. the, maybe the bar. I do get a little bit of joy when I'm like making you something and I put like that spoon in it. Like, hell no. <laughs> you, you are getting, you're holding a spoon from Star Wars. Yeah. Like this shit's It deep. looks futuristic. It, it weighs futuristic. I know. So I like to think that Becca was like on the way out, like they're not going to do anything with that plant. I'm taking that plant. The first thing that Becca and Austin discuss is snuggling styles. Becca likes to snuggle before bed, but then go their separate ways. I feel like that's pretty typical. Very typical. I think we are, yeah, the exact definition of that. And then I told you about how you're pretty aggressive with the snuggles at night. And you were very, I was surprised that you were surprised. I thought you knew that. The way Ellie described it basically was, if you give me space on the bed, I will fill the space and eventually you're almost off the bed. Like you're going to find out wherever I am in your sleep. So I told Ellie, I'm like, you need to stand your ground and not move because then I essentially I am stopped. But you're not. If I stand my ground and I'm like, no, I'm going to stay right here. He just rolls like halfway onto me. Then I am really like, get up. I didn't even know I did this. Austin says it's surprisingly easy. There are good vibes and good energy already. We then see the classic unbuttoning of the dress and he gets creative and he thought he had a paperclip, but he does end up using his keys to help. I like Becca's joke about how she messed up and she should have worn a baggy t-shirt so it can only go up from there. She's like, I can't break it all out right now. Austin put his hat on before bed and I was very concerned he was going to be a closet Gino. Like it was never going to come off for the rest of the season. Yeah, I was not feeling this at all. Although someone responded. So again, we're so guilty of this. We never write down names. But when I was live tweeting, uh, someone responded that they also do this too. Almost, It's almost like in their routine, they have a like a nightcap, almost like you know, almost like in the side of their bed, it's kind of just like their routine. They have a cab. Maybe they're doing other things. Maybe they're doing like their whole makeup removal thing. I don't know what's going on, but like that's just a part of their routine. And it's almost like an indoor cap. Like this cap is not worn outside of the house. Are we talking like snapback? Yeah, no, like like a hat, just like oh. like, like a little like a little whatever. Little well, cap. I was thinking like when you say cap, I was like, is it like a knitted cap? No, no. I was imagining kind of like a like a baseball cap. Did they specify? I think they, I don't know if they said. Just that there's a cap. Like like a baseball. Okay. I like a baseball okay. cap, right? Like a little folded bill, whatever. Interesting. Okay. Maybe this is way more common They, they than also we called out. Yeah, but I'm not wearing a hat I wear outside on my bed. Yeah, because you are a put together clean person. Yeah. <laughs> but also he wears it backwards and I'm like, wait, someone needs to make an info like a a graphic of like, how are you laying down? But the snapback is backwards. So what? Front seems more comfortable. We were listening to uh, Jason and Asia Mm -hmm. and Jason mentioned like, is he hiding like a bald spot or something? (laughs) And I haven't noticed anything. No, I haven't either. Maybe the slightest reduction in the front, but I mean, not bad at all. Like it's a non-issue is what I'm trying to say. I think yeah, it's just the, a comfort thing. Even Becca was like, oh, are you, are you wearing that? He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, 
Okay. <laughs> he took he did take it off though before they like actually cuddled. At the start of their next scene, Austin says, I had an incredible time yesterday. And Becca said, retweet. <laughs> I They're what? so cute. What? I don't even care how corny it is. What? It's like when people say LOL. <laughs> In the morning, they're reminiscing about the wedding while they're cuddling. And Becca says, I'll crawl into bed with him the rest of my life. They're going over food they don't like and they both don't like pickles. Austin's fine with mushrooms. Becca's not. Austin's fine with olives in his martini and says, but you wouldn't know anything about that. And Becca just cracks up like, what the heck are you saying? She's like, I've had a martini before. I think he took the like, I don't drink till I never drink. Wait, is that due to her medical condition? I assume to, to usually if alcohol? you're on meds, like you don't want to mix it. It just mm-hmm. gets weird. If you're fighting nausea, like making things, taking things that make you more nauseous might not be the best. Right. Or like you have a, something that's attacking your autoimmune, you know, responses. And yeah. You're we like, just need the body to just be in a nice, optimal, stable optimal area, <laughs> not put too much more stress on it. This is when Becca opens up about her exploratory surgery, how this turned into a diagnosis of endometriosis and that the surgery ended up being more extensive than they had originally planned, and then that put her in kind of a more rough shape than she was expecting. She also opens up about her autoimmune disease, the medication she takes to kind of stabilize it, and how she is always in pain, but she doesn't know anything different for the past 10 years, so she kind of has her own baseline. Austin reacted well. He thanked her for telling him. She talks about how she felt like a burden in past relationships, and he said, well, he's not like that, so it should be fine. She says, no, because you're perfect, and they kiss. For 10 years, if this is your normal, I mean, that's what it is. You've you've normalized your pain. You have to. But I'm saying is, it's probably hard to convey that to someone who just stepped into this world Mm -hmm. where you've normalized your pain. So what is the correct way so that they can really know what is going on? How can you convey that to them? The way I always try to explain it is if someone's who is chronically ill or has pain issues, if they're not telling you it's hurting, it's hurting. And if they tell you it's hurting, it's really hurting. And I assume she she runs on a similar scale. Then we see them go to lunch with each other's family. One of the first questions that Becca's friends ask Austin is, do you like your job? His answer is very similar to kind of what I say. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't know. My job doesn't define me. I don't think that's a bad answer. Not at all. And it's, as some of you may know, like I work in IT. And even in our small world, there's been discussions of, some people are incredibly passionate. I mean, it is not only their career, it is their hobby. Like, mm-hmm. this is what they love to do. And then some people, like, no, this is just an avenue for me to make a ton of money. Yeah. This is not, like, outside of work, I am not thinking about how an internet packet works and how data is traveling, you know, across the country. Like, no, I'm chilling and enjoying other hobbies. Yeah, that's what I think. So I think it's very rare for a passion to translate into like a good paying job with a living wage. 
I think that's super rare. And it's so lucky for you to do that. I think it's fine to like your job as long as you don't hate it because you don't want to be miserable. But if you find something that you like and it pays you enough to live and live a life that you're comfortable with and do things you want to do, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that could lead to a really good follow-up. For example, if Austin said, no, I hate my job, but it pays the bills. It's like, well, why haven't you done something to change that? Yeah, that's different if you hate it. Her friend's response was, Becca will totally inspire you to find a job you love. Whatever you go for, she's going to have your back. This isn't the same friend that said Becca's like, awakened her sexuality or something or taught her so much oh, about sex. I don't remember who it, that was. I can't remember any of these faces. Becca's friends are interesting. They are interesting. I'm sure they're very <laughs> fine, kind people, but I didn't love this sit down with them. One friend describes Becca as teaching her so much about sex. I think that was a quote. Mm-hmm. And the other one's describing her as she will find like your career yeah. or your perfect job. <laughs> Then Becca's health issues are brought up and her friend said that she will downplay it and says that for Christmas, Becca had a major surgery and spent it alone recovering. One, did this friend not help her out? Did she not invite her over or go over there on Christmas? Two is, ma'am HIPAA, do not talk about my stuff with my brand new husband if I don't want you to. You had an interesting take on this moment. The only one... I didn't go as far as HIPAA, personally. (laughs) That just is the first thing that came to my head. (laughs) Yeah, for those unaware, it's essentially the rules you have to follow about not revealing people's like personal health information. Like It's a major no-no. But the only one that bugged me was where the friend is describing Becca's state and getting very emotional and tearing up. And in my mind, the asshole that I am, I'm like, wait a minute. Were you like not helping your friend? I, that was my number one question. Is I was like, wait, you knew she was alone? Like, did you go over or invite her over? Or is Becca like a don't come near me? I'm healing. Like, I need to suffer I mean, that alone. very well could be. I mean, sometimes you're just like, yeah, I want to sleep and knock out. Like, I can't do anything. So that's understandable. Or is it the constant battle of and she's already mentioned it. I don't want to burden someone. I was a constant burden in previous relationships, so I don't want to burden my friends. Exactly. Like your closest friends that would would be there for you, that would have no problem, but you still would feel like a burden. What if they didn't talk about it yet? There's an interesting thought there, too, of, well, obviously Becca wasn't comfortable. She was comfortable sharing up to a point. Mm -hmm. It is not your place to share past that point. Yep. That's exactly how I feel. I wouldn't want that. I did like Austin's response, though. He said he'll look into it for himself and he'll reach out if he needs help. Yeah, because he wants more clarity just on the diagnosis itself, what it entails. Mm -hmm. And more than likely, he's going to read about either the pain people have or depending on how far he goes in this research of maybe stories from other folks going through the same process. Not that he feels Becca's not telling him the whole story, but he'll just get more perspective from other individuals. It's just good to know. And it's nice to have background info. I was worried about Becca meeting with Austin's parents. Not so much the friends, but the parents, mostly mom. Okay, first episode, I was like least favorite character on this season. And then I retracted a little bit and I was like, well, she seemed a lot happier in the photos. And boy, I still had, I'm still mixed even after this episode. 
Becca and everyone are sitting down. The waiter comes and mom tells the waiter, uh, sake, bring extra. I'm like, girl, just chill. Have a conversation. We find out that Austin is very social. He hangs out with his friends every weekend, has an active itinerary. He's always ready to go. Becca explains that while her friends get together a lot, it's not necessarily to go out. They like to have bake-offs and have discussions like, is a cupcake a muffin? Is a muffin a cupcake? The answer is no. No to both? No to both. Like, they're two very separate things. Different pyramids in the food chain. Yeah. One has frosting, one doesn't, is the main difference. Okay. So is a cupcake without frosting a muffin? Almost, but not quite. (laughs) (laughs) The paper it goes in is way more fun for a cupcake than it is for a muffin. True. True. You know what I think it is? Cupcakes always have some kind of styling characteristic on top. Like whether it is like a whip, there's a chocolate, like a, a, a glazed decoration thing. There's there's something. And while there is things mixed into the batter for muffins there's not usually a topping now sometimes there's like a crumble topping sure but that's not a cupcake mom jumps in and says reality is gonna slap you in the face oh thank you for the positive vibes mom is intense she is very intense she continues on and says you know he's my one and only i'm a mama bear my son's heart is number one becca knocked this response out of the park She was so good with it. She says to fall in love is one of the scariest things you can do. It's opening up your heart, giving it to someone else and saying, I trust you with this. For him to open up to me and eventually give me his heart, that is one of the greatest gifts that someone can give someone else. Becca starts tearing up and mom says she is trusting her with his heart. Very intense, but I think that she... I don't want to say deflected because she answered very truthfully and head on, but she calmed it down. She's trying to show that I understand the weight of this moment and this situation. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what mom wanted to hear that. Like, I get it. I'm not going to play with his heart. Perfect response. Now on to my favorite couple this episode. This episode, not my favorite couple, just my favorite couple this episode because it's a mess. Claire and Cameron. I read through Cameron from the jump. I know you did. And I can't. From the fucking jump. And I said, no, give him a chance. You don't know. You said something's off about this guy. The fact that not one friend was at, not again, not that it's required, but I just got a weird feeling where not one friend was at his tuck session or suit session. I thought it was a bit odd. And isn't it odd that there were friends at the wedding and the brunch, but not at any of the before activities, the telling or the suit shopping? We watched a little bit of the after party show and Claire was on there and anyone could see that is not a married woman. No, that is not so jazzed to talk about Cameron. Not at all. (laughs) Did you see that they had the task of name dropping the hotel? I think, honestly, stuff like that, I just, I don't even care. I think my brain just, like, forgets about it immediately. We did not have a James Allen plug yet, and if you noticed, everyone has bands. No one has a rock. So did we cut some budget from the rings? I did not notice that. Yeah, I think everyone just has bands. 
Was there just no jeweler that wanted to like put their name on Married at First Sight? <laughs> Maybe. They're like, this is bad energy. They get into the hotel room. Cameron is unbuttoning the dress. And right off the bat, I hated the energy. He said, this is what they do to tease really horny grooms. Okay. I would double take and be like, I think we're done here. I can do this. Thank you. Get on the couch. <laughs> but, but these scenes, I mean, are they put on by production? Always. Absolutely. But what he says is his own doing. True. She was trying to be nice, but she said, okay, I think that's good. And he says, are you sure? And she says, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Does that mean you're doing a shitty job or I don't want you to see my butt? The comment was a little too much, I think, for her. Okay, I'm probably reading into this too much, but did you feel like he looked a little bit defeated after that? I think I noticed it before that scene. Ooh, really? Okay. I think even imagine, and again, we don't see this, but you don't feel a, wow, that was like the most amazing day of my life. I have this beautiful wife. Like, even from the moment they started this whole scene, I, you don't have any of that energy. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people were like, oh, it was an amazing day. We're so tired. That's cool. And I'm getting none of that from Cameron. And you got to imagine they had this whole walking away from everyone, talking, riding the elevator, going to the room, so on and so forth, or, or the ride. I mean, I'm sure that whole time he's probably thinking, well, like, are we supposed to hold hands? Aren't we supposed to do something? And there was just, they were probably sitting on opposite ends on the back of that car. Remind me, did they hold hands when they, after they got married and were coming back down the aisle? I think they did. But that's kind of more obligatory than like, oh, I want to hold your hand. We're probably going to beat up on Cameron a lot in this segment. But if I'm being honest, I was getting some not mixed signals, but I feel like not concrete signals from Claire. I know. I feel like they're just, the mash is not there. And he's relying too heavily on the physical and she's relying too heavily on like the verbal. And I don't see that meeting in the middle, even with what I've already seen. We talked about it in the beginning of this episode where this is a stranger. I've known them for six hours. We need to have these conversations of what are we comfortable with? Are you okay if I do this? Like so on and so forth. And it's odd that Cameron came into this thinking, and yes, I get it. His, even his thing I think is a bit odd because anyone out there in the world, if you just jump immediately to, well, I express myself physically, I'm like, well, you can't just start that <laughs> off the jump with like anyone. So yes. you need to have some kind of verbal uh, communication to know where this person stands. And the fact that he came into this experiment essentially relying on his ability to sense uh, sexual energy, I don't think was the right move. I don't think so either. And he shouldn't be like counting on that. Like that's why this is going to work because he can read sexual energy. I was even annoyed that Cameron knocked on the door while she was in the bathroom, asked if she was done. Said he needed to shower, and she was like, well, I need to brush my teeth, but I'll do it after. And he was like, oh, no, you can do it now. Don't knock on the door then and say that you're going to shower. Why don't you just wait for me to get out? Thank you. Like, you were obviously wanting to rush me, so go ahead. Don't say, oh, no, go ahead and brush your teeth. 
Now, is it incredibly awkward if he just got naked and got into the shower? Yes, because she's not sending those signals. If this was a Becca in Austin, it'd probably be fine. Claire said that she felt it was awkward because they haven't talked about cuddling yet, and she doesn't know if he is fully attracted to her. But I swear he said it like two or three times already, like at the wedding. I would agree with that. But again, sadly, their issue, it sounds like, is just going to be communication the entire season. That's my prediction as well. I just don't see them making that great of a leap. Cameron flopped into bed after his shower, still in a bathrobe and just ready to just go to sleep. He said, as soon as you stop talking, I'm going to be like that. Snaps his fingers, meaning I'm going to be out. She says, so you want me to stop talking? She then continues on. All right, I'm done. Enough said. I'm like, and we're here. Okay, I, I know where this goes. It's not a good vibe. Cameron's throwing me off. I don't know why he's wearing the bathrobe in bed to go to bed over the sheets. That was a little bit different. Yeah. Something I've never seen. It's interesting that two people can can be so confused on each other's communication styles so fast. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is how it happens. It's like, it's just so different that it does happen quickly. Is her education and job kind of playing a role in this? Like, is she overthinking it? Is she overanalyzing? Is she over communicating? And does she expect that in return? I don't know, because wouldn't you know different communication styles and how to read someone or not read someone, but find out what they need. That's what I was thinking. When they wake up the next morning, Claire talks about how she had to remind herself of who was in the bed next to her. Cameron says, yeah, I just ignored that you were even here. Yeah, the way this dude talks. It's not funny. It's just... Or it's a different type of humor that I also don't have. I guess some of it. Some of it's all right. Some of it's like sarcastic. Some of it's okay, but some of it is just really bland and it comes off as just like an ass yeah like i don't care i just ignored you here i'm like okay that's That's now what a wife wants to hear this is also married at first sight you should not ignore that i'm (laughs) not here because this is a forever thing this is day one buddy during breakfast cameron talks about how his grandmother contributed to the myth that carrots will help you see at night she was a lieutenant in world war ii and ran a bunch of the morse code girls and messages were sent about needing to buy more carrots. He says the Germans launched a whole operation so their pilots would have carrots to see at night. He continues on and says that the only person who is very similar to him is his grandmother, and she never once said that she loved him. Claire says, oh no, that's not how I grew up at all. The story was interesting because it was really long-winded, but then it, was, it got to, yeah, my grandma didn't tell me she loved me. How do you feel about her response? I mean, I get it. If you grew up in a household that says I love you all the time and you're trying to reflect to your future partner or your partner that's right in front of you, like, no, our household will know when people are loved. I kind of wish they talked about it instead of her being like, oh, man, I have no idea. Never. I could never do that. Versus like someone telling you like something that's important to them. Do you think in a way he was trying to open up maybe a little bit like a glimpse of it he's really reflecting on i'm used to physical intimacy and you want me to communicate but look at how i've grown up like my own grandma never told me she loved me like i did not grow up with verbalizing Mm -hmm. affection like that 
And I think that's a signal that Claire most likely didn't pick up. That's how I took it. God, it would be so hard to pick up these signals because there's just so much going on in your head. There, there's so much just with the show and events. And I, I, it's hard to knock someone for not picking things up that the other person might be trying to express like right there in that moment. Cameron says, I could be walking around all day thinking about how much I love you and I just haven't said it yet. I was like, man, you got to work on that too, though. And I think Claire is right here where she mentions, like, you. I want you to know that you can be comfortable expressing your feelings in this relationship. Cameron describes how he is physical with his affection, kissing and cuddling. Claire says, I appreciate that, but I come from a very say how you feel, express yourself, have deep conversations type of family. And that's my personality too. Even if you don't want to tell me how you'd feel, I hope that you would be open to doing that. Everyone has their own type of love language, whether you subscribe to that thought or not of the belief of the different types of love languages. But I think it's always important that while you find out yours and you want to communicate that, you also have to be receptive to what your partner wants and what they will appreciate and how they want to be loved because it can't just be about you. I think we're getting really stuck in our own type of love. During brunch, Claire is with Cameron's friends and she says, I can tell this is a good start and there is potential. You got to say one thing positive to the friends. (laughs) You can't be raising too many flags. You can't just be like, I think he's a butthole and he doesn't express himself very well. Exactly. Can you talk to him? Claire asks, do you think Cameron is ready for marriage? His friend says, yes, he wouldn't have signed up if he wasn't, which is not a good enough answer to me. What does that mean? How close of a friend is this where that's their response? Yeah, like, oh, he's been through many relationships and he finally knows what he wants and he's really serious about this. Like, there's just so many more angles that you come off versus you signed up. Then, and this is an interesting question because... Claire asks, is he romantic? Mm -hmm. And one of his friends says, like, I'm not sure or I haven't seen it. Well, his friend basically scoffed. And isn't this interesting because you would think Cameron's had five or so relationships that lasted at least a year. And these are your friends. So naturally, you'd be around each other, getting together, maybe getting a beer, whatever, going to a bar, whatever it may be. And he's saying his love language is physical touch or physical intimacy. But your friends say they haven't seen it. Doesn't that, doesn't that go from a yellow flag to a red flag? Kind of. Because, yeah, wouldn't you be around? But wouldn't you also be displaying your romance to your partner because your language is physical intimacy? You would think. Cameron then meets with Claire's mom and sisters. Her sister asks, Long term, do you think you're going to be with her? Are you attracted to her? We're starting off with the big guns. (laughs) These are very big questions. You know, I would hope that we always talk about, we hope, we wish we had a friend that went through this process. I would hope I wouldn't ask the question like, can you be with this person? Like forever. Like, wow, I've known them for a day. (laughs) Like, can you just not ask me that question? I think I would start. Like, oh, you've, you've got to know them for eight hours. Like, what's, uh, what's something you like about them? Like, just keep it positive. I, I, yeah. I would want to boost these people forward and provide a platform for them to succeed, not tell me if you can be with them forever right now. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. 
Cameron says, I show my love and affection with my partner physically. Claire verbalizes her feelings. This could become a problem. If I want to share how I feel, I'm going to want to pace physical side faster. But I have to be receptive that if she's not ready, then that pacing will have to slow down. We'll have to do a dance. She's expressing herself verbally, and I'm trying to figure out if that means I kiss her. Mom's uncomfortable and does not want to talk about this. Moving on to Emily and Brennan. They're in the hotel, dress unbuttoning, and he touched her butt. (laughs) He was doing just a little friendly cheek check. It, It was. She had no underwear on, and we got to see that as she, like, skirted off to the bathroom. <laughs> that is brave. It is very brave. But I do get why. Like, her dress was really form-fitting, so you don't really want any lines. You gotta, but it's the, the sacrifices for beauty. That's right. For the perfect fit. Also, his mic was taped to his chest hair. <laughs> it really threw me off. Did he move it from his shirt? to his chest or was it always there i don't know i don't know how that all works but i was very surprised to just see it taped there in the morning emily has a bunch of texts from people wanting to know about brennan who he is and that's the first time i really thought about how poppin every single group chat you're in is gonna be for the next eight weeks They also talk about how they like to start their days and specifically their mornings. And Emily likes to start it with EDM at 7 a.m. I cannot get down with this. It's a little too much for me, too. I'm also amazed to hear that there are people out in this world that just go full on EDM first thing in the morning. They talk about what temperatures they like the room, and Emily loves to have the windows open in the winter. Wow. No, I'm like wrapping myself up in blankets, wearing thick PJs, (laughs) blackout curtains. Like, I don't want sound. I don't want light. I definitely don't want cold. So Emily's not iron deficient. Yes, she is not anemic. I think she's good to go. Probably has an excess of iron. (laughs) During the brunch, Brennan tells Emily's sister that he thought she was beautiful as soon as he saw her walk down the aisle. He also confirms that her energy was not too much for him. This is where things caught my ear. They asked him, will you be okay if she has to work late? He says, I think if we openly communicate about it, if she tells me ahead of time, But if it's like the last minute and it happens multiple times, it's probably going to be a problem. We have to have conversations for sure. So we immediately just wouldn't work because he'd be mad all the time, every single week. This is interesting from Brennan. So he needs that that time. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. home from work, spending time together, building a relationship. But I get where he's coming from. And it would probably honestly even increase that awareness considering this person has never been in a relationship so clearly well maybe clearly more than likely what they're doing isn't working now if what you're currently doing is 120 percent your career you're probably not even giving yourself the room for a relationship now that you are married You have to start thinking about, do I need to dial things back? 
to give that time to this person because what if that person needs that time in their you know in their marriage for forever and you can't provide that for them well that's fair game for them to walk away and say this doesn't work for me especially if this comes up later on and you're not willing to give them the time i don't know if that's going to be a case here and i think it simply might be conflicting priorities because yes you want to be married but that also takes a ton of work and time but did you think of it coming at the cost of your time for work? Those are all like higher questions I, she might not have thought about. I didn't like how he answered the next question either. They asked, how do you deal with conflict? And he says, I'm not perfect, but I'm working on it. What does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, so you didn't answer the question. That's a red flag. Then Emily is asked, what kind of wife do you think you'll be? Emily says, I want to be a great wife. I think my mom is a great wife, and that's why my parents are happily married. While I want to be the same, like nurturing, I think I'm more career-driven, but I want both. I haven't decided if I want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I like having my own little purpose. Interesting. One of the rare clues that someone is interested about having babies. First time it's brought up. Here's what I'm touring, though. Your family's describing you as... You know, you can go late as far as work goes, but from your own perspective, you're still thinking about the decision between work and kids. It kind of seems like they're a little bit far apart in what her definition of her life would be. Mm -hmm. I think a lot is going to come ahead in this experiment. I think maybe she'll figure out what she really does want. Brennan says he doesn't know what lies ahead, but divorce is not an option. This has to work. Be careful with what you say, Brennan. Emily's sister says, you're stuck with us. And he said, more like you're stuck with me. What's that movie you quote all the time? Oh my gosh, you're talking about Watchmen. <laughs> it goes, I'm going to try, try to do the voice. And if it's crap, we are editing it out. Okay, it goes, it's going to be fine. It, it goes like this. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in with me. <laughs> amazing quote that's brennan (laughs) amazing quote that was from rorschach and i freaking love that line (laughs) some red flags about brennan though we find out that he can be stubborn if something isn't exactly how he wants it to be his mom says that he tends to be abrupt he gets a little bit of temper and he gets annoyed Mom is also concerned about their strong, perfectionist personalities. I can see just a few of these traits in myself. One, I am not a perfectionist, so definitely cannot. I mean, look at my fucking desk. But in some things you are. For example, and this, I don't know if this is before the service or after, but man, just being on time, like it fucking gets to me. Yeah. I mean, even the dang airport, like you'll arrive 30 minutes before that plane is leaving. (laughs) And I'm like, yo, we got to be like an hour and a half before. No, it's fine. Like little, little things like that. But it seems like Brennan might do a little bit more than what I do. I think it's way more. If like everyone is agreeing on these things because they all know that he has a little bit of a temper they all know he gets annoyed so they've all experienced that in their own relationships with him i don't know i've had a lot of moments or we've had a lot of moments where we have a lot of adults getting together 
And I'm like, we were invited to this. How is everybody like 45 minutes late? Like what? That just throws me off. It, and it throws me off because, and maybe this is what Brennan thinks. It's like, I showed up on time because I valued this. Like as you get older, you only get to spend so much time with like your friends because you know, you're with family. Obviously, if you have kids, but like when you do decide to go hang out with your friends or your buddies or whatever, you really only have so much time that if you're there, like it's going to be incredible. You're going to get to catch up and everyone's like fucking 30 minutes to an hour late. You're like, why the hell are you like, we don't get together like this. How are you late? The only time it bothers me is when the person that gave us the time is like an hour late. Like that drives me crazy. Now I'm like, sure. okay, well, you don't give a crap about me coming or hanging out or anything. I mean, maybe that's a, a my own personality thing of like, maybe you just got to live like, just not give a shit and just be like, everyone's going to be half hour late. So I'm going to be half hour late. Like and if then, we're just going to someone's house, I don't really care. But if there's an event, I'm like, yeah, we need sure. to get going. Honeymoon baskets arrive at everyone's door. No one can pronounce the resort name, but they are going to Cancun, Mexico. I love matching husband and wife clothes. Love the matching floral shirts. All expenses paid. You're not mm-hmm. paying for drinks. Like, this is going to be a good time. Emily brought her bachelorette props. Not the whip. It takes up too much room, but she's ready to have a good time. She's going to enjoy her honeymoon. Becca and Austin are going to be adorable. They're having fun just sitting around the hotel with nothing to do. So going on a trip together will be great. They're already getting more flirty when he went into the bathroom. She goes, can I see you naked? (laughs) Everyone is meeting at a bar before heading to the airport. And we see Michael arrive. He explains the situation, how the bride left him at the altar. Everyone's bummed for him and agree that there was plenty of time to back out. I was so excited to see Michael. But sadly, he said he will not be joining them on the honeymoon. I wanted this side quest with Michael. Like, go have a great time at the bar. Like, go swimming. Do maybe some of the activities with the couples. I was hoping he would get married in Cancun to the second bride. And then all the cast members could be there to cheer him on. We talked about this. And that would make for such an epic scene. I need to get into reality TV somehow because I have great storylines in my head. Can you imagine the first time ever on Mavs, the actual cast is in the wet. I mean, uh, attending the wedding. That's what I want. That's like some epic shit. Like, that's I know. some dope writing. And then immediately he's like, no, I'm not coming. I was like, ugh, boring. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it because... <laughs> Yeah, there's the whole one-on-one things that happen, but there's also group events and it would feel kind of odd that you're in the group event, but you don't have a partner. True, but eh, he'll have a great time. (laughs) I will say Michael has, he's a really good speaker. He is. He has not felt an L for responding to these moments or these questions on the show. I really like him. And so if we do end up seeing that other wedding, I really hope it works. Everyone then gets on a party bus for the trek to the airport. Lauren is all cuddled up on Orion and I love to see it. Brennan talking about how like he doesn't want Emily to work too much. They need to discuss it. It's freaking working in the background. He has his laptop open and he's not interacting with anyone. 
Then we go to Cameron, the awkward duck this episode. He says we have to be careful. We can't go too far off the reservation. He immediately turns to Orion and says, sorry, sorry. Okay, Cameron, when you said this, and it is pretty terrible to say, I had to think to myself, when the heck have I said don't stray too far from the reservation? I can tell you never in my life. I was trying to think, like, is it because it's like our words? So it's like on the tip of his tongue. But I'm like, why should it be like it? Like, why? They try to save it, but it's reservation to resort is so different. It's a little bit of a stretch. It's a stretch. Orion said, it's okay. I can hear ignorance and you're fine. Cameron's response was also inappropriate. But it was like, so stupid. He thinks he's being funny and it's not, it's not appropriate for the situation. He says, well, what about willful ignorance? And that's why I'm like, oh, okay, so are you sorry or are you not? Because now you just are being a butt. And I would clap back and be like, well, that's also racism. <laughs> Your willful ignorance. Yeah, I think in this moment, you just have to just call it what it is and just be like, oh, my bad. Yeah, that's just uh, let's move on. We're going to go on this amazing vacation. Uh, I'll keep my eyes on you. In Cancun, they're greeted with the drinks at the resort. And then we see Claire and Cameron get to their room. They cheers to a happy honeymoon and they decide to unpack a bit. One joke in this one downhill so fast. Claire jokes that she'll grab his bag and he can grab hers because she has a significantly larger bag. He says, yeah, you pack all the shit and I'll carry it. Oh, just bad vibes already. Like, it's not even funny. Like, just bad vibes. It's not even teasing. This is the only thing I'm going to give Cameron. Oh, my gosh. The only thing. And then I'm, we're killing him. <laughs> okay. One, I, I'm going to give him this, but still knock him. What the hell did you pack for like five days? I told you these are definitely like half shoes, like half of that bag of Dude, shoes. Are you doing laundry like every other day? No, but you need options. On vacation, I swear I change my clothes like two to three times a day. I mean, get your swimming, your sweating, like yes. whatever. Like, dude, what did you pack in this bag? You must be the most ultra packer ever to fit oh, everything. Oh, you mean Cameron. Cameron. Oh, I thought you were trying to give Claire crap no, for packing too much. No, I'm giving Cameron crap for not packing anything. Oh. <laughs> that's like that's like half of the, the carry-on. I, I, only, I usually only travel with the carry-on, mm -hmm. but it was like half that. Now, Claire. Girl, Claire Bear, <laughs> we know you're five foot nothing. You're going to Cancun. So, girl, I know you're wearing shorts, bikinis, sundresses, very light dresses, maybe some flops. What the hell is in that bag? You always have to have a wedge heel for a tropical vacation. She probably has a few of them packed. That's taking up half that bag. Ellie, you could pack like 20 wedge heels in there. I maybe she has a lot of skincare you know my skincare bags take up like a quarter if not a half of my bag if anything this packing is reflecting claire's personality of her not being <laughs> sure so she's like i'm taking everything yeah same with Cause, me because i'm not going to be sure on what i want to wear i'm just going to take yep. everything i'm never confident in my decision so same got now, it that's the only thing i'm giving cameron okay the rest of this way <laughs> this man was blatantly in the wrong in the wrong, Claire takes it, I think, a little too far at one point. But then she brings up the real root of the issue. She says, you didn't help me at all in the airport. 
We see him walking way ahead of her at the airport. She says he didn't help her with the bag. And then we see eventually when she caught up, he was in the tunnel to the airplane with a whole other group just talking and laughing to the, with them. A few things here. Why are you walking ahead of me to the gate? We're going to the same gate. On our honeymoon. The plane's not fucking leaving, dude. Then, in the tunnel, uh, you do know we're sitting next to each other. Why are you like six people down in the tunnel? Oh, he definitely took the window seat too. Like He's what, not giving that up for her. What moments happened of boarding and all this stuff where you're six people ahead of me mm-hmm. in the tunnel? And also, this is a sign seating. Like, what's why can't you just come back? Like, what's the point of being up there? Yeah, why cause this bad energy and bad moment just to get there six people sooner? Even the ways they showed the flashbacks, this person is not ready, is not ready for marriage. This is no. not the way you carry yourself when you're traveling with someone. Even nope. if you're traveling with a friend, let alone your spouse. Yeah, you always want to make sure they're okay. Like, no regard, no care in the world for her. Ellie and I have talked about this f- so many times in previous seasons where if you want, and this is not, this has been said way before us. If you want to get to know someone, like really know someone, you need to travel with them. You will learn so much about people's quirks, their personalities, what happens when they're confronted with something they can't control. How do they deal with it? Do they keep their cool? Do they get angry? How do they pack? What do they pack? How much do they pack? Do they help you with your bag? Do they hang out with you? Are they needing to go six hours before their flight? Are they like me and are cutting it as close as possible? Like, there's so many questions that matter so much. Like, are they asking you if you need something to drink, some water? Are they taking care of you? Of like, hey, maybe we should refill water bottles. Oh, that's like a caring mm-hmm. thing you can do for someone. Are you hungry? Would you like me to get you something? Mm-hmm. Oh, if they ask like, hey, is it cool if I go to the bathroom before we board the gate? Are they fucking annoyed? Or they're like, yeah, of course, go to the bathroom. Exactly. Are you annoyed with things that like I need to do to be comfortable on the flight? There are so many things in travel. Not, not alone, just like even being on a plane as far as how courteous are they with other people? Do they, mm-hmm. do they respect people's space? Are they loud? Are they quiet? Do they... There's just so many, there's just so many things, even in travel. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the fucking destination. Even (laughs) in the destination, there are so many more questions that could be answered. How do they treat wait staff? Do they respect Mm. people? Do they tip? Are they an asshole and they never tip? You're clearly divorcing them ASAP, (laughs) point blank, period. There are so many things to find out about someone. And right now, Cameron, dude, major F. He marked every like red flag and no box he could for me if i was traveling with this person like i would never be with someone that will not put my bag up in the overhead compartment for me let alone someone that leaves me and just boards the plane without me like i don't even need to complete this trip i might as well just get out of this tunnel and go home because i'm not gonna have a good time like i'm gonna be bitter the entire time and i think claire is reflecting on that in this conversation because we're traveling and you can't even help me with this. Like, it's just a fucking bag, dude. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for other things in our relationship? It just doesn't give him much credit as far as him being there for someone or caring about someone or making sure they're okay. Like, it just doesn't. It, it shows me enough. 
I can't even give him grace because he mentions he's been in five long relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't you travel with people on these relationships? Did they just not care about that aspect of a relationship? Well, clearly they all ended. And you mentioned they end. I work on myself. They end. You know, I start one end. Work on myself. I'm like, well, did you not learn anything? Because oh no, it's always the other person. Because what's going on right now is not someone who's had relationships and kind of knows like how to help a partner in different moments. And just even on the most basic level to like make someone feel cared for. Cutting back to the scene at the hotel, Cameron says to Claire, I'm sorry, are you not capable? This starts our initial thoughts, I think, where yes, Cameron's all like physical touch, whatever. But I think Claire is kind of Honestly, that's a rare moment where I agree with Cameron. It's like he is also getting mixed signals. So he like doesn't know what I can and can't do. Because if some ways, if she says, and I don't think she said it, but maybe by her actions exudes like strong, independent woman. So he's like, oh, she's like super about like doing stuff. So he's like, well, am I supposed to help her or not help her? Because then he's like, well, I asked her about like I tried to do an intimate thing like physically, like maybe it was holding. I don't know what it was, holding hands, whatever it may be. And I guess in some way she rejected him. So he's like, well, okay, I can't do that. So he's kind of questioning, like, what can I do? But he is not incapable of using his words to clarify anything. He just chooses not to. It's a fair point. Claire says, it's a kind gesture to help. And you definitely were not helping me, which is fine. We're getting a little passive aggressive here. (laughs) Granted, he's very passive aggressive. So you can't say which is fine, even if it's passive aggressive, because again, now you're continuing this. You're sending him mixed signals. Yeah. And we already found out this guy has some weird ass sense of humor. So like you can't just say you can't say these things because you're probably throwing this dude off. Claire continues. You weren't helping me with my bag. I'm just saying. And this is where I started getting like, oh, we're just saying the same thing, but in different ways. I don't know if that's helping. Claire continues on and says, I think it's common knowledge that you help women with their bag. Cameron says, I've been told it's rude to assume that women can't do things. Claire responds, it would have been nice to have the assistance. Then there's silence. And she says, Cameron, he said, I'm right here with your suitcase. Oh my gosh, both of you are killing me. <laughs> yeah, th- Just, I'm this not, is already all I need to see. They're not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> no, I'm really not feeling it. In a little side interview, Claire says that she believes that Cameron has sensed that she is pretty independent, but there's a part of her that wishes he would just be like, hey, do you need assistance? She says that's what would draw me closer. When people are like, hey, where are you? What do you need? And that's kind of what we described at the beginning. And then we just keep going. We're now in the bedroom and Claire says, are you angry with me? I think you are. (laughs) He goes, I'm not angry. She says, you're not angry? He says, about what? She says, about me telling you I wish I had a little bit of help. You were also kind of running away from me as well. She continues, you know what? This all goes back to communication. I had to remind you, hey, I'm short. I'm going to be behind you. I'd like for you to wait. And I did see you make that change and start to wait for me, which I appreciate. I like the sandwich method she used there. (laughs) He says, you're welcome. She pushes forward and says, is there anything that's bothering you? 
that you wish I was doing better? He says, no, you're amazing. She says, that sounds sarcastic. He said, no, really. Like, we don't see each other romantic at this point, right? He said, sure. They kind of talk about intimacy here, which fell out of left field because we, we were talking about the bag. And now we're on to intimacy and communication and physical touch. Or deep down is, it's really not about the bag. I think it's about the bag. <laughs> I, I really do think it is. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely about the bag. They talk about touch and kind of how that's like being miscommunicated as well. Cameron asks, do you have a plan of how we can get past that? She says, being here, doing things together could definitely help. I'm going to try my hardest to get to that moment so we don't leave and we're moving in and we haven't even held hands yet. Cameron says, yeah, I agree, but you did tell me you don't like to do that. Claire says, no, I will. Hand holding is totally fine, but there's a difference between that and uh, it's hard to explain. But you essentially told this, you, man, you can't even hold hands. Because now she's saying, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I meant this. It's hard to explain. I'm like, what's hard to explain? I think she just got stuck in how to communicate maybe the type of physical intimacy or the amount that she's okay with. But in my mind, Cameron being whatever, man, a physical touch person, could you like hold hands at the airport? I mean, do something. But at the same time... I keep just going back to like, just because that's your love language or what you want, that doesn't mean you don't have to be accommodating to what the other person wants. It's interesting that we are bashing Cameron and kind of like the moment they're having here. But if you think about it, for the amount of time these two people have known each other, this is like the most sane, I think, response of, I don't know you, like, how do you like intimacy? Like, I'm different. Mind you, they were probably not match great, but no. which is leading to this. But it almost feels it feels so much so real because this is very, this is reality here. Like you're legitimately like having communication issues and like we travel different. And like clearly when someone's not matched very well, like this is what's going to happen. And it feels so real because it is happening. And their expectations are just not at all in alignment. I hope they have a sit down on the honeymoon maybe where they do express like hey like we want this to work like we need to like talk about how like how we're going to make this work because right now we're kind of stumbling over each other and trying to guess each other's moves claire says just because i'm strong doesn't mean i don't want those things she says it would be nice to feel cared for he said okay and that's also how i end conversations i'm done with <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay means fuck you. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that harsh, but that means I'm done with this conversation. I have nothing to contribute. That's nice. So let's just stop. On the next time on, we see the beginnings of honeymoon adventures, many kisses, and a really crummy scene. It's kind of the first Lauren and Orion tensions that begin to rise, and I'm not looking forward to it. I'm just not a fan of tensions rising on the honeymoon. No, at least go home. <laughs> we see Becca apologizing to Austin and it kind of insinuates that like maybe she couldn't do something. Something was becoming a bigger deal than she hoped it would be. So we'll I wonder see. if it's going to be this weird montage of activities they would like to do, but she can't do at this moment in time. Maybe a very interesting segment with Claire and Cameron. Claire is going in and she says, you think you deserve things that just come to you. You don't have to work for them. 
Shots fired. I'm here. We're already done. Like this relationship is done. There's no coming back. Calling it right now. Did they kiss on the honeymoon at all? Were they in that montage? No, they were not. Man, I just want, I just want people to love each other and it's not looking good. I know. Although they have me hooked. I'm right back in it. Oh, I know. Just like every season, we complain when we're six months in, but we're right back. Okay. I got to take my butt to bed. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your grace and the schedule change so that we can kind of make it work better at an appropriate time. (laughs) I hope you guys have a great week. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you all later. Thank you so much for joining.